Welcome everyone, I'm Dr. Justin Arner from the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Joseph Lamplot, Assistant Professor of Orthopedic Surgery at Emory University. He was the author of the paper entitled Effect of Vancomycin Soaking on Anterior Cruciate Ligament Graft Biomechanics, which is published in the March 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome Dr. Lamplot and thank you for joining me. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for uh, for having me. And I want to thank my co-authors for all of their amazing hard work um, on this study. I think it really came together well, and I do think it, it adds an important part to the literature. Yeah, no question. Uh, your co-authors and you deserve congratulations. And obviously, the senior authors on the paper, everyone's well aware of. They don't need much of an introduction, Dr. Rodeo and Dr. Warren. So I think it's, like you mentioned, really important anytime we talk about a way to decrease infection with obviously our patient care and how healthcare reimbursement and everything is going in the future. And I think your study design is really interesting. So can you start off by just giving us a little background on the incidence of grass and graft infection with the ACL and even other ligaments and what inspired this study? Yeah. So, you know, the incidence of graft infection is, is actually fairly low. Um, so some of the registry-based cohorts kind of report somewhere between about a quarter percent and one percent. And uh, single institution studies kind of vary between about 0.5 to 2 percent. The issue is that these infections, when they happen, can be devastating. Um, and these surgeries, as you know, are often performed in young, healthy athletes that are on a timeline to return to sport. Uh, deep infections can warrant implant removal, stage revisions, months of antibiotics, and um, they're just devastating, devastating complications when they happen that we really want to prevent. Yeah, especially uh, young, active people like this that are, you know, wanting to get back to sports at, you know, senior year of sports or whatever. It's pretty devastating for a young, uh, a lot of times, you know, planned surgical uh, procedures. So, yeah, and even even 2% seems to like more than I I thought, to be honest. So, yeah, and again, kind of the the mean of those studies is somewhere between, you know, 0.5 and 1%, uh, but there are studies that have reported up to 2 um, you know, the impetus for this study was that there's been a lot of literature coming out. Um, several recent studies, uh, we'll, we'll touch on some of those uh, possibly later, um, a big meta-analysis, and they've showed uh, marked reductions in infection infection rates when grafts are treated with a vancomycin solution uh, prior to implantation during an ACL reconstruction. So what's interesting is that while the clinical results have been really promising and somewhat widely adopted, um, we really felt that the basic science on this topic was lacking. Uh, one of the theoretical concerns when you use vancomycin on these grafts is the potential for degradation of some of the uh, extracellular matrix proteins and uh, potential issues such as laxity or re-rupture of the grafts. Um, so surgical site vancomycin has been used in thoracic surgery, spinal fusions, and in other orthopedic surgeries for, for decades now. Um, but really, from a basic st- science standpoint, its effects on ACL grafts really hasn't been well-defined. Yeah, you mentioned um, a little bit about the vancomycin. Tell us why that medication typically is chosen with all these procedures that you mentioned. Yeah, so in terms of kind of typical causative organisms, they're typically skin flora. So coag negative staph, um, including staph epi, uh, tends to be the most common. And then staph aureus. Um, P. acnes is also commonly seen in cultures, but it's not really clear uh, what its role is in the pathogenesis. Um, so for that reason, vancomycin has kind of been selected because typically uh, these flora tend to be susceptible to vancomycin. Um, so, you know, I think that was probably the the reason that that was chosen for, um, you know, for its use initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Can you tell us a little bit about your study design? I think it was a 
really well thought out study and then some of the results from your study? Sure, of course. So uh, this was a controlled laboratory study. We actually used uh, mature bovine tendons. Um, we harvested the central third of their patellar tendons. Um, in using these tendons, we did tendon-only grafts to kind of represent a soft tissue-only graft. And we also harvested grafts with bone plugs on either side, similar to a bone patellar tendon bone um, autograft harvest. Um, we prepared vancomycin solutions using both an unbuffered and buffered solution uh, to determine whether the pH would affect the material properties of the tendons. So similar to what you would do in the operating room, we uh, wrapped the grafts with a vancomycin or normal saline-soaked gauze sponge for a half hour. Um, and after soaking, we simply did biomechanical testing. Uh, for the tendon-only grafts, we determined the Young's modulus um, before and after treatment with either vanc or saline. And for the BTB grafts, we were able to test at a higher load. So we looked at both Young's modulus as well as the elongation strain. And, you know, that was, that was our basic setup. So in terms of our results, uh, what we found is that for the tendon-only specimens, um, there was no difference at all in the Young's modulus. Um, and for those, we actually looked at normal saline vanc and buffered vanc. For the BTB grafts, uh, because those were paired samples, we only looked at um, unbuffered vanc, which is what's commonly used in the OR, and normal saline. And again, we found no difference in the Young's modulus or in the elongation strain when comparing those groups. Yeah, I think the buffering and wrapping, it's a great idea. It's, I mean, pretty applicable. As you mentioned about wrapping the graft in the soaked gauze, I saw some of the literature mentioned, you know, soaking the graft in the vancomycin that do you think that makes a difference you know wrapping it in the gauze or how you actually do it yeah so in in clinical practice um what my co-authors uh what dr warren's done for for over a decade now and what my co-authors currently do is uh wrapping rather than rather than submerging and um we actually uh cite a study by figueroa um and it was published in ojsm in 2019 and they advise wrapping rather than submerging uh due to concerns for graft swelling and i think that's you know, something that should be considered. So we wrap, we don't like to submerge. Yeah, that was one of the questions I had. So are you typically doing that in practice? And you mentioned, Dr. Warren, pretty much all the ACL grafts or kind of all knee grafts, or when are you guys uh, wrapping in vancomycin? Tell us the preparation of people that are interested in, you know, wanting to do this themselves. Absolutely. So uh, most of the studies that have been published and uh, most of those are cited in our manuscript. Um, they use a five milligram per milliliter vancomycin solution, um, and you should aim to soak these for at least 20 minutes. Uh, there was a paper by uh, Shuttler and colleagues which showed that uh, shorter soaks, less than 20 minutes, um, had lower concentrations uh, of antibiotic and persistent bacterial contamination in their in vitro studies. Um, so in practice, my, my uh, co-authors and myself, we tend to harvest our grafts immediately. Um, so the process of Scoping, drilling tunnels usually takes about uh, 20 minutes or longer. Uh, so for that reason, you know, while you're doing work, you can sit there and soak for that 20 minutes. You, you should be aware that in vitro, uh, concentrations above 6.25 milligrams per milliliter have been shown to be chondrotoxic. Um, so we tend to stay at five and we wrap instead of soak. And that's kind of what our clinical practice is and has been. Yeah, that's uh, great advice. I mean, if you have one of these patients, you, I'm sure you never forget if they have an infection, a young, healthy person. Are you guys uh, washing the graft with saline before you implant it? Or are there any thoughts about, you know, treating it after you do the wrapping to maybe decrease some of the possibilities of chondrotoxicity or other issues? Yeah, so uh, 
we don't rinse. We just go ahead and implant um, after soaking in the, uh, or after wrapping rather, in the gauze. Um, there was one in vitro study that was published in CORE, and this is kind of the basis of many of these subsequent studies that have been published, uh, Grayson and colleagues in 2011. And what they found is that the tendons that they did not rinse, so they basically wrapped them and then uh, tested them, because this was an in vitro study, they released significantly more antibiotics than the um, grafts that were rinsed. Um, what they found is that the antibiotic concentrations exceeded the uh, minimum inhibitory concentration for MRSA um, when they were not rinsed, uh, but when they were rinsed, it actually decreased the efficacy. So most of the studies that have been published in the past five years uh, do not rinse prior to implantation, and they have also shown no difference in clinical results or uh, failure rates uh, warranting reoperation. So for those reasons, uh, the data suggests that not only is there no reason to rinse them in terms of graft failure, um, but the antibiotic elution may be better if you don't rinse them with saline after wrapping. Yeah, that's great. I, I love all the uh, you know discussion of the literature. This is super helpful. Do you do you think that you'd see similar results with other grafts? I know you guys down in Atlanta are doing a lot of quadriceps and obviously hamstring and other graphs. I mean, it would make sense that other graphs would be, um, you know, similarly affected. Do you have any thoughts regarding that? Yeah. So, you know, the testing that we did kind of tried to uh, address that with the soft tissue only graft uh, versus uh, a bone patellar tendon bone graft. Um, and, you know, we can't say with certainty because these were all patellar tendon grafts. But in terms of material properties, um, based on our results, um, I, I don't imagine that you'd see any difference. Um, many of the studies that have been published have been in hamstring autographs, um, whether that was a mixed population of grafts or all hamstrings, and they also showed no difference in terms of clinical outcomes from a revision standpoint. So, in our, you know, in my practice, regardless of the graft type, um, I utilize the same technique, whether I'm doing an allograft, a, a hamstring, or a quad. Um, I think there's certainly room in the literature for that to report kind of um, results with you know, soft tissue quad with um, with all kind of graft types. Uh, but to date, there has been no difference in all the studies that have been published. Yeah, that was going to be my next question about allograft that, you know, is it worth doing it that way? And and how about or any of your, you know, mentors, co-authors, or what's your experience in other kind of implantation like osteochondral allografts and things like that? Is that something that you guys have talked about or considered too? Yeah, you know, we have, and that's a great, a great question and a great consideration. Um, this has only been mainly for grafts, and to answer one of your questions from earlier, whether it's, you know, a PCL or even an extra articular graft, um, I do soak uh, all grafts in vancomycin. Um, if there's no difference in material properties for an ACL graft, then uh, likely for an extra articular graft, it's, it's not going to have an effect as well. So, yeah, I, I do kind of extrapolate it to other ligaments. I have not uh, personally investigated it for other uses, such as osteochondral allograft or autograft, um, but that's a, a great consideration. Yeah, I haven't uh, haven't heard of people doing that, but, you know, maybe in the future, um, yeah, who knows? It's such a devastating complication, as you mentioned. And since, you know, it's it's something that, you know, we'll probably all see in our careers, unfortunately, a few times, can you tell us, you mentioned before at the beginning, what's the typical treatment that, you know, people are recommending, since you know the literature so well, if you would have an unfortunate person that would get an infection, obviously depends on the bug, but tell us the typical kind of protocol with that. 
Yeah, so it's it's interesting to it's interesting you bring that up because there's really no consensus or algorithm for the treatment of these infections, and part of that may be because they occur with with such a low frequency. Um, so in our practice, the treatment depends on kind of the extent of the infection and the timing of it. If it happens acutely before kind of graft healing or incorporation has occurred, or if it tracks into the tunnels, then uh, oftentimes the implants have to be re- have to be removed. They actually surveyed uh, fellowship directors for sports medicine fellowships around the country, and 85% of them advocated for culture-specific antibiotics and an irrigation and debridement with graft retention. In the event that that failed, then 61% of those people actually did take the graft out. Um, So, you know, if you survey people across the country, they seem to look at graft removal as the last resort. Um, if they fail an initial course of antibiotics. Personally, I think if you have a deep infection that tracks into the knee joints in the acute setting, then the implants likely have to come out, and that warrants a staged revision. The the upside to using the vancomycin wrapping is if you look at all the studies that have been published, it reduces the rate of infection to near zero in most of the studies. So I think the best course of action is to prevent these infections rather than have to end up treating them because, you know, whether you're hoping and praying for a response to IV antibiotics in an IND with graft retention or looking at a staged revision, they're both terrible situations to be in. Yeah, certainly something you lose sleep about uh, having to deal with such a tough issue. So it's, it's a little beyond the scope of, you know, your study, but, you know, everyone at least has heard or unfortunately experienced situations where a graft is dropped, you know, of autograft, allograft, whatever, osteochondra allograft. Would you and your rec- your authors recommend, I mean, you're going to vancomycin soak your ones anyway. Do you have any literature or thoughts regarding treatment for that? You know, I've seen betadine, saline watch, chlorhexidine. Is, is there uh, anything you came across in your, you know, research with this study that you could tell us about, you know, grafts that have been dropped? Yeah, so we we actually discussed this, uh, the co-authors and I have, and and luckily, you know, knock on wood, we haven't dropped a graft before. Um, So, you know, kudos to to Dr. Warren, who's been at it for a while, uh, for never having dropped a a graft, knock on wood. Um, But if that did happen, we would certainly incorporate vancomycin wrapping. Um, There have been studies that have looked at both chlorhexidine and at betadine. And the results of those studies show that both of those are effective, whether you use chlorhexidine or betadine. Some studies have shown that chlorhexidine is more effective at reducing the bacterial burden, uh, while some have shown that betadine is more effective. So in my practice, I would use a 4% chlorhex solution, and I would soak the graft uh, for at least 10 minutes. And um, then I would go ahead and do my standard uh, vancomycin soak as well in a normal saline solution. Um, But again, I hope I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, that's pretty incredible, Dr. Warren. Like you mentioned, has so much experience. What a what a master! So that's great info. So yeah. tell and us, it, uh, the int- you know, yeah. Dr. Warren has been doing this soaking for ten or eleven years, which is prior mm-hmm. to man- many of the studies that have that that have come out. So um, we kind of went about this in a somewhat backwards way, where we had all of this clinical data that's come out in the past seven or eight years, and we kind of went back to the bench and did the basic science. So. Um, I think it was an interesting approach and, um, you know, kudos to, to him and Dr. Rodeo for, for thinking this up. Yeah, no question. So where do we go from here? You mentioned before about, you know, the literatures that's out there, but do you think there are other holes in the literature we need to address before you really say every surgeon should do this? Are we there now? And then, 
you know, obviously uh, the thought leaders you mentioned and and you and and getting started with more of your own basic science. Where do you think we go from here related to this topic, or what do you think the future is? Sure. So you know the the things that seem to be missing. You brought it up earlier with alternative graft choices. Is it different with soft tissue quads or allografts? And I suppose there's room in the literature to look at how vancomycin soaking affects grafts. Certainly, there's there's not a randomized control trial um, that compares infection rates with and without vancomycin soaking. I think that the uh, number needed to treat to reach an effect size would be pretty astronomical um, because the infection rates are so low regardless. Um, interestingly, there was an editorial that came out in response to our article by uh, Thomas Pfeiffer, um, who knows a great deal on this topic. And, um, you know, he brought up a good point. He felt that the call for randomized control trial actually may stand in ethical contrast with our responsibility not to withhold prophylaxis that has already been proven to be safe and effective. Um, and I tend to agree with him on that. So we now have many clinical studies. We have meta-analyses um, of the highest level studies, and we have solid biomechanical data um, including another study that just came out in AJSM that looked at um, uh, in vivo or in vitro rather uh, uh, tenotoxicity and chondrotoxicity and showed no difference whether or not vancomycin is used. So um, I think there's sufficient evidence that a randomized control trial should not be warranted. Um, I think some, um, some practitioners are um, going to raise the question, well, in my practice, I haven't had an infection in five, 10, 15 years, why should I add a step to my case? Why should I take a potential risk of um, adding vancomycin soaking when, yeah, we have a few studies that show that it's not toxic and doesn't affect the material properties of the graft. But um, in my practice, I think there's sufficient data um, from the clinical studies that have come out to show the marked reduction in infection risk that um, I would be comfortable proceeding with this as kind of the standard of care. So personally, I agree with Dr. Pfeiffer's assessment in the editorial um, that a randomized control trial at this point um, isn't necessary, but it is, you know, quote unquote, lacking in the in, in the literature. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, Thomas is a good friend of mine. He spent some time doing research here at Pitt and really has a nice article. And I chatted with him a little bit about it before we did this. So I'd recommend that read, obviously, as, as well as yours. So, you know, as, as you mentioned, it's a pretty uh, straightforward step. And if you can save, you know, a few people over your career with having to go through this, it, it's probably worth it. And one other question, you mentioned before about the preparation of vanks. So is this a solution of vancomycin that you have? Or can, you know, if we're used to having powder for, you know, spine procedures in your hospital, is it something you can kind of mix up? Or what's been your experience, yep. you know, starting new practice and how getting that implemented? Yeah, so you can dissolve powder in, in normal saline. That's fine, and just soak the soak the gauze. So whether it's um, you know if it's a solution of vanc that's already made that you have to dilute to that concentration, that's fine. Otherwise, you can use powder and just dissolve it. Yeah, that's great. Um, and like I said, you know you, you have to be somewhat careful because the in vitro studies have shown that once you get above that six point two five, there may be a risk. So um, you know just be careful that you're consistent or whoever's mixing is consistent in their preparation. Right. Making sure you're you're right on track with the concentration. That's great. So thanks for your time today, Joe. This is great. I mean, it's a big deal anytime we can decrease infection. And like you mentioned, maybe we haven't really seen many of these in our career, but the few that you have, it's it's an easy step and there's pretty good data out there. So 
I think this is one of the few studies, you know, that you read that really can change practice. So congratulations to you and your co-authors on a great study. Well, thanks, Justin. Really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Dr. Lamplot's article entitled The Effect of Vancomycin Soaking on Anterior Cruciate Ligament Graft Biomechanics is published in the March 2021 issue of the Arthroscopy Journal and is available online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Thank you so much for joining us. views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Mm-hmm.